People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We've got a full show today. We're starting off with Viz Chitty from Penguin Random House, an old friend of the show, who's in to share quite a long list of the books that he's very passionate about. In the second half of the show, the first book that we're going to be discussing is the the most topical book in South Africa at the moment, and that is The Lost Boys of Bird Island, a shocking expose by Mark Minnie and Chris Stain, and Mark Minnie was found dead in Port Elizabeth earlier this week, which has made the book that much more urgent. That's for the second half, but right now at the top of the on top of the, at the top of the hour. Welcome, Viz. It's so great to have you again in the studio. Thank you, Stephen. I always look forward to your carefully curated list of books <laughs> that you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, every book that Viz is going to be chatting about, I will post on the Facebook page. And then if you miss one of the details, the author or the, or the, or the name of the book, go to Facebook, search for people of the book on 101.9 High FM and the full list will be there. So before book club or when you're going to bookshops, mm. You can have this easy reference to the inside track of what's great. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And uh, thanks for allowing me to come back. It's always such a good good time we have when we come here. Um, and I've got quite a nice list uh, today. Uh, most of these books are in stores at the moment, which is, is really good. I've chosen stuff that's just about to hit stores. It's going to be in this month or next month at the latest. So it's stuff you're going to see um, um, all the time. So um, the first one. Uh, by Soren Zweistrup. He's actually done another book before this, which was called The Killing. Um, and if you are a fan of Scandinavian crime fiction like Joe Nesbo, you would like this. Um, I read this recently. I just finished it. It's not usually my cup of tea. Like, it's a bit dark for me. But I'll tell you, I was, I read the prologue and I was reeled in because it was such a gripping story. And it starts off with this guy as a detective and he gets called out to this house. Uh, and he goes there not waiting for his backup or anything. He just goes in. And when he gets into the house, it's a, it's a bloodbath. You know, there's kids uh, killed in there and, um, he eventually finds the mother in the shower and she's, um, severely injured as well. And as he's going through the house, um, he finds this little girl in a, in a cupboard. You know, she's sort of freaking out and she's hiding in there and he's trying to coax her out. And as he does this, this axe just comes across and wipes him out and that's how the prologue starts. So it's really gripping. You can see that this guy has written for TV because it's got that sort of, fast-paced um, sensibility about it. And, um, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It's not usually my cup of tea, but if you like Scandinavian crime fiction, this is a, a new voice uh, in that genre, which is fantastic. So, yeah. Uh, and then the next one I actually touched on last month, but I'm just going to touch on it one more time. Uh, Dina Jeffries, The Sapphire Widow. Um, she has done quite a few good books in the past. If you're in a book club, for some reason the book clubs just adore her. Um, she was born in the East, so uh, a lot of her stories are set in either Indonesia or India, Salon, wherever. This one's set in Salon. And she, um, it's about this, the main character is this woman who marries this very wealthy uh, plantation owner and a gem trader. And, uh, you know, they, was, they start their lives and think, you know, this is going to be great. And then, um, he starts spending more and more time on this farm, on this land that they have. And she sees him, sometimes she doesn't see him in the day. He comes in very late in the night and leaves very early in the morning. And, um, he dies very suddenly. So he, he, uh, she, she's left with a lot of questions about this relationship. And I think the pressures of the marriage and them not conceiving, which they wanted to do and have a family, led to 
led to this marriage sort of crumbling. And uh, he dies, and then she starts to ask questions, and she starts to spend time on this plantation that he used to spend, thinking, you know, she'll piece things together. And he had a foreman on the farm by the name of Leo, and slowly but surely, um, this friendship becomes a little bit more than a friendship. So it's, it, it, there's this new love story that starts up. So uh, Dina Jeffries, The Sapphire Widow, if you've had, if you're in a book club, it's a great one to suggest and a great one to read. She's a wonderful writer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, the next one is The Katharina Code, um, following in the trend of Scandinavian crime fiction. Um, I don't know if you have uh, touched, uh, heard about this author before. He's really huge in his native country of Norway. Uh, I mean, he sold two million books uh, in his country, and there's only five million people there. <laughs> so <laughs> he's quite successful, to say the, not to say the, le- to say the least. Um, and it's about this woman named Katharina who goes, who's gone missing 20 years ago. The case was never solved. Um, no one, the evidence just came up on dead, dead ends all the time. And this detective, the main guy in it, uh, his name is William Wisting, and he's, there was a series of books that this author has done with him as well. So, but this is a brand new series. Um, it's going to be a four-parter, so it's going to. There's three more to come in this particular set, um, and it's about this this guy who's this case has always haunted him. He's never been able to solve it, and he becomes almost obsessed with it. And he has all the all the evidence, the case files in this box that he keeps in his house. And every year on the anniversary of her disappearance, he goes into this box and re-looks at everything. And the husband, who was initially a suspect uh, in the case, becomes his friend. And they, you know, he, there's nothing they could pin him on. Uh, he didn't do anything. So the one year he opens up this box, and for some reason, um, he tries to contact this guy, and the guy's gone missing, the husband. He's nowhere to be found. And then shortly after that, another d- detective from another town contacts him and says, look, I've got this case, and I think it's tied up to your Katharina case, and uh, we need to find the husband urgently and I think you can help me do that and so they team up and they it's quite funny as well it's very character driven because they, the characters the, the detective and the other detective are quite funny in the way they bounce off each other and um, yeah it's a fantastic little thriller um, the crime I'll say a spy mystery not spy a mystery thriller on the disappearance of Katharina which is quite nice um, so again if you do like uh, Scandinavian crime fiction this would, this would be just for you and it, and it leaves the door open for the next three books in the set yes it does yeah and and i think he's going to structure it in a way from what i've researched that he's going to it's going to function as standalones but they are connected it's, it's usually what they go for now. And then uh, there's a great movie coming out called Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan. Um, this is also part of three books, and uh, it's really funny. Uh, this, if you if you go on YouTube and you check the trailer out, it's, it, the movie looks fantastic. And uh, we were talking about it earlier, and I would say they turned on a major, major payday from Netflix to, to release it in normal theaters, which is a bit of a gamble right now, uh, considering the success of Netflix. And... Um, Crazy Rich Asians is, a, is essentially a story about this woman who meets this really great guy, and uh, they are, they live in the states, and they basically form this relationship. Things are going well, and then he says, "Look, I want you to come home and meet my family," but he's not disclosed the fact that his family are stupidly wealthy. <laughs> I mean, they're so wealthy, like that's why the title. And she she now has to fit into this really opulent lifestyle, and his mother naturally doesn't like her very much. Uh, but it's funny and it's really sweet, and uh, yeah, I think it's a really Good, good, good book too. If you look for something light, this and it also opens our eyes to the wealth that's yeah. generated in Asia and yes. the lifestyles of the super rich Asians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his family. I'm talking. He's talking. I'm talking about like jet and yacht kind of wealthy, that kind of wealthy, and they they own so much of so many businesses in Hong Kong and things. So it's really, really uh, fun the way she walks into this world, which he didn't want to tell, obviously, because he, he didn't want that to affect the way the relationship started. And, um, yeah, it's actually quite funny and it's charming and it's really, really entertaining as well.
And if people do enjoy the book Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. there are other books that Kevin Kwan has written that yes, you yes. can continue the binge, yes, the binge reading. <laughs> there's three books, so you've got two others to touch on as well. Um, and then a next one, also quite light-hearted and funny, for people who liked uh, Bridget Jones's diary. Uh, oh my God, what a complete aisling. This is by Emma McSlot and Sarah Breen. They are um, two Irish authors. And uh, it's also really sweet, really funny. It's about this young woman. Um, they, they basically sat down one day, and this is how they derived the character. They talked about a certain type of girl that they know. She lives with her parents. She's quite sheltered. Um, she's really sweet. And, you know, that kind of... So they, they jotted down all this stuff about this particular girl and then this girl became a character and this is Aisling the character in the book and uh, she lives with the parents and she's the kind of girl that her father would say oh, I'm just going to take the card first but he takes the card and, he, and then he comes back and the tank is full <laughs> you know that kind of thing um, and then she has a boyfriend who she's been dating for seven years and he's not proposed yet so that's kind of where the conflict lies and uh, so if you have read Bridget Jones Diary and you kind of waiting for something else um, while you're waiting for something else from that author you can you can read this this is fantastic so it also will be a bit of a social observation on the fact that yeah Adults are staying at home longer. Yeah. Relationships are going through quite a strange transformation yeah. with, with the guys not being ready to commit. Yeah. So it's, it's really modern Yeah, a modern romance. take. Yes, it's, it's really, you're absolutely right when you say it's, relationships are so different now. You know, more and more people are getting married not having children, for instance. Yeah. We are in conversation with Viz Chetty from Penguin Random House. We're getting through quite a long list, a very, very interesting curated list because we're touching on so many different genres and so many different writers and from so many different backgrounds. And we'll keep moving through the list straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We are in conversation with Viz Chetty and we are... We are, this is like a, it's like a, it's, it's like a virtual book museum. It's a beautifully curated <laughs> list. This is, works at Penguin Random House. They've got huge lists. So he's selected some of the best books coming out in August and September. Uh, I'm just sitting here on the edge of my seat with waiting to hear what the next book is going to be. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this tour through modern book releases. Great. Uh, okay, so let's go into the next one. The, the great and powerful Leslie Pierce, The House Across the Street. I mean, she has done, in the last two years, she's done one almost every year um, for, for many years now. Um, so she's a very prolific writer. I've had the pleasure of meeting her, and we had um, dinner with her last year. And she's just an amazing, over and above being a writer, she's a great, um, storyteller like if you sit with her um, she'd be able to just go into a story and you'd be just absorbed in she's got such a craft for it uh, such a gift for it and um, this next book is about a young girl who lives on this really suburban street and opposite their house is this really curious woman and her daughter and she becomes I wouldn't say obsessed, I'll say rather fixated on the comings and goings of the neighbor across the street. And she's constantly observing, and her brother comes to her and says, you know, um, why do you keep looking? You're such a, you're such a nosy person, you know? And then, you know, she, she keeps looking, and she, because on a Saturday, this big black car would roll up to the house, and this woman, very well dressed, would jump out of the car with a little girl. And so she starts to think there's something strange going on here. And she's, she, she may be right for what she's thinking, right? So one day, um, just out of the blue, this house catches on fire, burns down, and in the remains of the ashes, they find the woman who, who owned the house um, and her daughter are in the 
in the in this devastating fire and they get killed unfortunately and then later on um they arrest the main character's father for the Awesome. And um, so it's a really, really good mystery. There's a great backstory. You love the main character. You just want to root for her and follow her. Um, so I think, yeah, when this hits the store, it's going to be one of our be- best books of the year, I feel. Leslie, Leslie Pierce. And Leslie Pierce has been in South Africa. Yeah, She's she got a strong following here. Absolutely, yeah. So the fans, whoever's read her, even if you have not read her before ever, pick it up. You'd be a fan immediately. She's that strong, I think. Um, so, yeah, wonderful. The House Across the Street, we're so happy to have a new one. Uh, by her this year as well Because last year we did well with Dead to Me And The Woman in the Wood did fantastic as well So those were good books as well And then the next one is uh, William Boyd Also another really powerful, powerful writer And the story follows a, a young man By the name of Brody Monker uh, Sounds very French but he's actually Scottish He has been he's all, His whole life has been under the thumb of his uh, Clergyman father, he's very strict disciplinarian You know, and he's just itching To break through and he has this gift Of tuning pianos because he has small hands, you see. So it makes it easy for him to tune pianos really well. And it becomes a sort of hobby and then becomes later becomes a craft and he's really good at it. And then he gets this opportunity to come to Paris. There's an up and coming, uh, pianist and he's going to be the next big star. And he somehow gets in touch with this young man and says, would you mind, would you want to come work for me? And he was all too happy to go because he wanted to get out of his father's house. And up he goes and he leaves and he runs off to Paris and he starts working for this champion, uh, piano player. And the piano player has a Russian ballerina girlfriend um, who the main character ho- falls hopelessly in love with. So it, it has all the great elements, the, the um, I wouldn't say unrequited love, the forbidden love or the impossible love. It has the historical element to, to which it puts you right in the time. I don't know, when I picked it up, I thought it was going to be a little uh, too literary for me and might just be hard to get through. Not the case. It really reads really well and you get through it quite quickly. So that's um, Love is Blind love by is William Boyd. Yeah, we waited quite a while for him to release a... Uh, uh, a standalone full novel and this is it and I think it's beautiful really good yeah really good and uh, the next one is a more mainstream sort of stuff uh, MJ Arledge he's done a series of them now he writes his really dark crime thrillers if you've read if you haven't read anything by him um, you can pick it up here because they function as a standalone as well but even though it is part of this detective series because each one have a different case you see so you can pick it up anywhere but I would recommend um, reading the new one it's called Down Through Woods if you haven't you want to go back I would suggest Little Boy Blue which is fantastic. Eeny Meeny was fantastic as well. The earlier ones were absolutely astounding. I mean, it's really, really uh, good crime fiction. And in this one, um, it's set in this forest area. It's like a resort. Almost people come and camp out there. And... um all of a sudden, people start getting killed in this place. They come in and camp, and then it's really eerie the way the killer um, leaves the bodies in this wood, which is a, just a case. on It's just a, creepy on its own. Um, so if you're into that kind of stuff, this is really good. You'll be, it's one of those books that you'll pick up on, on Saturday morning, and you wouldn't be able to leave your chair until Sunday, until you finish it. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. So, yeah, if you're looking for a good escape crime thriller, it's one to one to look out for. And then the Silence of the Girls by Pat Barker. You know, I think uh, Pat Barker came to writing much later on in her life from what I heard. She she started writing well after 40. Uh, she did this amazing course and there was another writer, I can't remember her name, encouraged her to keep writing. Because she did the course and this writer said, you need to keep writing. You really have a gift for it. And thank goodness she followed that advice and she's become such a great author. So this is um, the story of... Um, it's actually a Greek myth, the, 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 the um, battle, the Trojan Wars and the Achilles, Iliad. yeah, Achilles and Agamemnon and Achilles is conquered 
uh, Agamemnon. And when that used to happen in history, the women were taken as concubines and that kind of thing. So this is what the book is about. The interesting thing about the book is it's the Trojan Wars and all that time, but it's completely told to you by the point of view of the woman, particularly the queen, Agamemnon's uh, queen, which has now been captured, which is amazing. Sorry, I, I, I want to read this book. I'll, I'll, I've got I'll a, get you a copy. I've got a strong, I've got a very strong interest in ancient Greeks and yes. Greek mythologies and the, you know, yes. Iliad and the, yeah. the Odyssey. And it's fascinating. Pat, Pat Barker unleashing her creative talents yeah. from the women's perspective of the Iliad. It sounds absolutely brilliant. It's astounding, yeah. I mean, uh, even the, if you look at the jacket of the book, they did such a good uh, job with the cover. It's beautifully, beautifully done. Um, but yeah, can't wait for this one. It's going to be quite amazing. We're in conversation with Viz Tretti from Penguin Random House. We, we're looking at his, as I said, his beautifully curated list. <laughs> Everything is on this list. There's literary fiction, there's commercial fiction, there's mysteries, there's thrillers. The, we, we, we're about to get to, uh, some booker long listed books. Uh, we'll be back with some more of these gems right after the ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We are in conversation with Viz Chetty from Penguin Random House. I'm very jealous because Viz gets to work with books all day long. I just get to have a review show once a week. And he's got the most stupendous list of books that he's talking us through. But the truth is, this is just some of the highlights of August and September. When you work in a publishing house, you get the full list every month, every month in money, month in and month out. So it is actually quite a, it's quite a, a glorious yes. job. Yes. We are, we've just looked at the silence of the girls, oh, Pat yeah. Barker's very beautiful retelling of the Iliad, yeah. but from the women's perspective. Yeah. The next book you've got. Shyang by C.F. Eagledon. He is Con Eagledon. Um, so if you've read War of the Roses, if you've read all his historical fiction, Dunstan, which was a, which was a standalone, uh, historical fiction set 400 years before the War of Roses. Um, I think this was a good natural progression and departure from his usual stuff. Cause you go historical fiction and then he's now put in this fantasy element. Um, I, I don't know if it's true, but they say that the F is actually, he's collaborated with his son on this one. I don't know if it's actually true or not, uh, because he just pick up things on the internet. But if it's true, if it's true, that's great. You know, there's a nice collaboration. So he's now under C.F. Eagledon. Um, for fans of uh, Game of Thrones, for example, if, you, if you've loved Game of Thrones, that kind of historical fantasy uh, uh, story, this is the second book. The first one was called Darien. Um, it's a fight for the throne, so it's political, it's action-packed, it's got interesting characters yeah so, so while you're waiting for George Martin to finally put together the last book uh, uh, you can read Shyang and read Darian you know and, and this is his second book this year because I remember reviewing The yes. Falcon of Sparta yes, yes, uh, a few months ago yes I think I spoke about it the last yeah, I think time you did well, and I also yeah. reviewed it it was brilliant great book yeah, so ancient he, Greeks and ancient Persians was yes, just yes. My the 10,000 strong and, and, and I thought um, he's been so busy and so prolific and it's wonderful isn't it the, the fact that he's so writing so much all the time. So yeah, this is a brand new one by him. Shyang is the second part. I would suggest reading Darien first. You have to read Darien first. It's called the Salt of the Empire series, book number two, Shyang, uh, C.F. Eagleton. And the first one was called Darien, D-A-R-I-E-N also. 
book number one. Right, and then uh, a non-fiction. You know, I gotta throw in a non-fiction there somewhere. I know you love the non-fiction stuff. Just to put an idea, just put it, put it into perspective. Every month, I get a, a big pad like this. It's 300, 350 titles that I go out to stores and sell. So for me to sometimes choose 20 books is kind of hard. Um, so the ones that I'm giving you here, actually, I really respect and, and love these books. So yeah, you can you can look at them seriously. Um, and then the Petals of Perception by Bobby Duffy. Um, it's actually a book about statistics and it's a book about the numbers and it's a book about how when we, what we perceive to be correct or incorrect can actually cause problems. I'll give you an example. Um, he say, he, they, they, he's got 200 researchers all around the globe, uh, constantly researching and getting figures, right? So when they ask South Africans and we feature so much in this book, um, he says, what, what percentage of our population in South Africa you think are immigrants, right? And the average guess, average South African guess was 29%, right? When in actual fact, it's only 4%. It's a 25% variance on where, where it actually is. Now, that causes a whole lot of problems. If you perceive more foreigners than they actually are, that could lead to things like xenophobic attacks, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's really current. And I thought it was like a third world country thing. We're just not informed enough. No, on the list, if you go through the book, you'll see... Uh, France is also one of those countries that are really um, misinformed about the number of immigrants in their countries. In their country, for example, so fascinating read, fascinating. Yeah, and it's uh, it's um, one of those ones. He's the marketing director, marketing manager of Ipsos International, That's so he's quite a high position there. And then can we go on to the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. one shocked me, man. I gotta say, Snap by Belinda Bauer. She did a great book last year, which was good. And I thought, okay, this is where I'm gonna place her in my mind. The Beautiful Dead was, she's that kind of writer. Crime thriller. It's gonna be good. And then Snap comes out and we, 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 I sold it into stores. I spoke about it at coffee mornings in the stores. And then, um, a couple of weeks ago, we get an email from our, our department, our marketing department. They say Snap is on the long list. I mean, of the third, the book a dozen, we've got seven books and that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, it's so strange that they chose what we most probably view as a commercial yeah. crime thriller yeah. Yeah. for the, for the book, for the book a long list. Amazing, right? Yeah. And I thought, okay, wow, she's arrived. I mean, just the fact that she's on this list, people look at her much more seriously now uh, even if she doesn't win it's fine she's now on another level from where she was last year um, so snap is about these three little kids um, one of them is a is the, the eldest child is a boy and he's got two younger sisters and their mother their mother gets uh, murdered early on in the book and um, the the father who's left behind cannot deal with this and three years after the the wife is murdered he ups and leaves so he abandons his poor kids and then the little boy is now left alone he's 13 14 years old and he needs to feed his sister so he breaks into people's houses when they're not home to steal food right he, he only he looks for houses where there's nobody in there because he doesn't want any trouble they call him the goldilocks burglar he's never found he's so quick he gets in and he steals food and he's out and one day um he comes across he's in this house he sees this knife um that he recognizes from the time his mother was murdered and it leads him on this mission to find this person this killer and at the same time what you really love about the book is beside the character of Jack is the detectives two detectives that are working on this case who eventually team up with this little boy to find this uh, killer who that's eluded them for so many years and um, they they banter back and forth it's just so entertaining to to read about as well so yeah, I think all good things for Belinda Bauer, and, and uh, I hope she actually wins it, maybe, you know what I mean? That'd be great. As you said, Penguin Random House has seven out of the 13 yeah. long-listed yeah. Booker prize nominations that's quite a yeah. quite a number we're very lucky this year we did we we're very happy about the books that made it this year awesome um and then bitter orange by claire fuller um 
also a really good one. It starts off, and this woman is on her, literally on her deathbed, and she's thinking about this particular summer where she was given this task uh, to assess the architecture in this house. So the owner of the house l- said, look, please do a report. I want to just sort of evaluate this property. Would you mind staying in there and just looking at all the stuff that's in there and evaluating the architecture and as well some of the things that are in the house? And she is there, but she's not alone. He's, he's hired two other people, a husband and wife, who are also doing a similar job, but they're looking at all the interior uh, decoration and things like that so they become friends I mean at first she's like on her own in the attic working and they can she can hear them downstairs and slowly but surely they have a bottle of wine together and um, they become friends but then as the weeks go by in this this particular summer she starts to notice cracks in the stories like the stories this woman tells her sometimes don't add up and eventually it leads to a crime which leads to a bigger crime so it's a really well crafted structured story she has done one before with us called swimming lessons which was also quite nice this is very different to swimming lessons it's a totally different type of story so yeah I think uh, Claire Fuller as well great for book clubs wonderful and then Jamie Oliver Cook's Italy I'm just going to quickly touch on it Mm -hmm. it's out in stores you can't stop this guy he keeps going and keeps going and keeps going I mean Five Ingredients has done so well it's just we get stock in and let Literally within a few weeks, we've got to order some more stock. It sells so quick. And even uh, I was watching him on Graham Norton's show the other day, and he said that um, this has been the fastest selling book in terms of how fast it actually sells. And it's fantastic. And this book is all about Jamie Cook's Italy. It's sort of, it's going to be a TV show coming as well, so you can watch him actually touring Italy all over. He goes into little houses, he goes and sits with the grannies and gets the home uh, recipes. So it's not just like five ingredients where it's all quick short recipes. There's short recipes, there's long recipes, and there's really well traditional Italian cooking. This is his second Italian book. Um, you're going to see this all over the media and it's going to be the TV show as well, which I can't wait for because it's part travel as well. Um, so it's him going into these amazing Italian towns and, and you know villages even, and it's, it's amazing. So I think, yeah, this is going to be something to look out for for Christmas if you want to gift someone this is going to be one to look out for and then the next one Green as the Sky is Blue you know we like to, uh, like our local authors you know that uh, Ibn Fenter is one of those really good um, South African authors that I quite enjoy um, and this is about a man who lives in Australia He's emigrated from South Africa and he keeps coming back to his childhood in the Eastern Cape and what he had to deal with. He's, he's a homosexual, so he's, um, he's suffered a lot in terms of his earlier time and uh, this country. So he comes back to South Africa after many years. So in a way, it's also a little commentary of a social commentary of, this, of our country and people that emigrate and want to come back or come back. Regardless, you know what I mean? Lots of people come back when they immigrate, apparently. So this is kind of where the story goes. So fantastic. You'd like the main character. is really relatable, um, good character to read about. So quite enjoyable. And another South African author, Spiwe Gloria Ndlovu, The Theory of Flight. Um, it got a nice magical element to it. Um, this this woman is in a coma. And, you know, she's sort of coming. She, she can't really be helped. So she starts to go back into her family's history. So, but the book is really structured in a way where it takes you out of where she is in this bed and goes back and really goes into her family's history and that's where all the characters come from her uncle her grandmother you know um, how they all sort of connected together it's, it's just really well well put together as well uh, the theory of flight and then uh, so much life left over uh, who'll forget I mean he did uh, Corelli's Mandolin that was made into a hit movie um, the, he's back with the, another one set it's set between the two world wars right um Wonderful book. I mean, if you go up and check on Goodreads or whatever, you'll see people are raving about it. Um, I put it in there because it has been out. It's actually been released already. Uh, but I'd say just 
have a look for it because it's fantastic. Let's just hit the shops. That's it's just, yeah. Louis de Benieris. De, de Benieris. I'm, I hope we think that right. Um, and it's set between the two world wars and it kind of reminded me in many ways to Revolution Road. It reminded because it's about this marriage in the twenties that starts out really good and slowly starts to crumble because these two people are very different, you know. So they sort of go into different directions, uh, and it's like the, the main character did not think that he would survive the First World War. He's he lost two brothers, two of which in South Africa uh, for the British fighting here, and then two brothers die here, and he didn't think that he would survive. So that's why the title "So Much Life Left Over," because and now he comes back to this world where he has to function as a, as a normal person, and there's threats of the World War, a Second World War breaking up. So if you like historical fiction, if you like World War Two, and you like good a good structured story, this is really nice as well. We'll have time for one more. One more. Okay, let me let me just choose this one quickly. Um, in fact, let me just leave those there. Uh, okay, let me go into Next Year in Havana by Chanel Clayton. Let's talk about that one. Yes. It's part of Reese Witherspoon's book club choice for the month of July. It was. I see now it's in stores. It's if you look at this jacket, I mean, it's such a stunning jacket. When I sold it into stores, we we didn't think it'll do as well as it did. But Reese Witherspoon has raved about it on her Instagram. She has like six hundred thousand followers. So if you look at Reese Witherspoon's book club, she's raving on about it. It's set in two parts. It's the grandmother in 1953. She comes from a very wealthy family. Her father was a sugar plantation owner um so she comes from wealth and she falls in love with this r- radical revolutionary at the time and uh, her life takes a different trajectory uh coming forward in 2017 her great uh, gran- uh, granddaughter um has been given the task to dispose of her ashes back in cuba that was always the grandmother's dream and when she goes back the main character this young woman falls in love she learns so much about her family's history and her country's history as well um her grandmother's country cuba so wonderful if you liked historical fiction but a romance something to keep you going this is going to be fantastic that's called next year in Havana by Chanel Cleeton yeah, and we've Thank we've you. run out of time, but we haven't <laughs> run out of books. I no. think that's that's the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. say thank you so much for coming in. It's always it's always <laughs> great. To, uh, I really enjoy looking at your lists because you you got you. so many great books to choose from, and you 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 make so many good choices. Thank you, thank you very much. It's really a pleasure. And before I go, just one quick thing: we um, had the pleasure of spending time with Arundhati Roy. Uh, she's in the country. Well, she was in the country. She just left this morning, um, but she's just an astounding human being. And, uh, I can't describe her energy when she walks into a room. It's completely take. We had 700 people there last night, and it was the minute she walked into the room, the whole thing just changed. It was amazing. Uh, she's a wonderful person. Is really down to earth. So, that Arundhati Roy, the great Indian writer, she won yeah. the Booker for the God of Small Things. Yes. Last year, she released her second yeah. novel. There was. Th- 20 years in the yeah. waiting yeah. that was the ministry of yeah. utmost happiness yes after the god of small things she actually gave all the money that she got from the booker award she donated every cent of it did you know that no uh, now she's a political activist yeah in the, India. the minute she won that award they, they they criticized her a lot after she won that and then she actually took all the money from that and she donated it and she's become an activist ever since then 20 years until the ministry of utmost happiness has come out and she described it so beautifully i was telling you this outside she said if the god of small things was a, was a building this, the ministry of utmost happiness is a city That's a great a great writer and she was gracing us on our, on in south africa yeah and uh, <laughs> said she spoke last night at the, yeah. the great hall at Wits. it was wonderful yeah it was really good yeah. <laughs> thank you, okay. Stephen. Thank you for thank all you your time. Pleasure. Thank you for, for sharing your passion and your lists. Thank you very much. Thanks. The, the next book that I'm going to talk about is a 
very powerful book. It's most probably the most powerful book that's been re- that's been released in South Africa, published in South Africa this year. It's published by Tafelberg. Last year, their big book was the biggest book in South Africa for many years. It was the President's Keeper, Keepers. Uh, this book is called The Lost Boys of Bird Island, a shocking expose from within the heart of the NP government. The two co-authors, Mark Minnie and Chris Stain. The book, I got a, I got a, I got an email last week Sunday asking me if I would like to review the book and possibly even interview the, the co-authors when they come to Johannesburg for the author, author tour and a book about pedophile rings in the South African government in the, the mid-1980s and a few murders around that seems quite heavy uh, but I responded yes I'll read the book uh, and also responded to the publicist why are you sending emails out on a Sunday surely you should be having a weekend and I think the book was under embargo they didn't want it to leak out before it was released so they were doing their publicity just the day before it was released it was released last week on Monday and when I got home from work on Monday the book was there waiting for me uh, at home uh, so it was. I got the email on the 5th of August I received the book on the 6th of August I had a few other books that I had to finish off but last last weekend, on Saturday night, I finished the book. It's only 220 pages. It's an extremely powerful book. Uh, on Monday morning, the first thing I did is I sent through a request. When are the authors, Mark Minnie and Chris Dang, going to be in Johannesburg? Because this is a book that has to be spoken about on every media outlet. And I would have liked to have hosted the two of them here on Haifim, on People of the Book, to discuss the Lost Boys of Bird Island and Mark Minnie's story, how he became the investigating officer when he was in the police force in Port Elizabeth, how he ended up uh, investigating this case. Then on Tuesday morning, the shocking news was publicized through all media channels in South Africa that Mark Minnie was found dead in Port Elizabeth with a gun wound to his head, and then the next thing. The update was that the gun wasn't his. There was a gun found close to him. It wasn't his. Then the the next update was that there was a possible suicide note found next to him. Uh, Yesterday I phoned the publishers up and I said, is there anyone in the publishers at Tafelbach or at NB Publishers who can come on? We can do a, 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 a telephonic interview. And the message was no one from... NB Publishers is saying anything in the media and the co-author Chris Stain is not speaking to the media either. Looks like they're all in absolute shock and in lockdown. Now what is the story about the Lost Boys of Bird Island? The back of the book says it is the late 1980s. Serious allegations surface against three prominent National Party cabinet ministers. One of them, the second most powerful man in the land. They are, it is said, regularly abusing young boys on an island just off the coast of Port Elizabeth. From opposite ends of South Africa, a brave cop and a driven journalist investigate. Mark Minnie and Chris Stain independently uncover evidence of a dark secret, but the case only surfaces briefly before it disappears completely. Thirty years later, the two finally connect the dots to expose the shocking story of criminality, cover-ups and official complicity in the rape and possible murder of children, most of them vulnerable and black. This is 
The Lost Boys of Bird Island. The story itself is so explosive that you almost say it's not so surprising that the author was found dead. But Mark Minnie has so many different levels on which he made the story his story. The book is very, very personal. There are certain chapters in the book where he shares some of his growing up and why, what happened to him that made him such a, a dedicated officer to this case that it cost him his job within the police. And while 30 years later, he had to write a book. We'll get to the story behind the Lost Boys of Bird Island straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the most explosive book that's been released in South Africa this year, The Lost Boys of Bird Island, a shocking expose. It's the story of pedophile ring that included members of the National Party cabinet. And they were flying boys from Port Elizabeth to an island just off the Cape, the Cape of Agulhas called Bird Island. The, the, one of the two authors, Mark Minnie, and he is the author of the majority of the book, shares in the book, in earlier chapters, how he was abused by older brothers of a friend of his when he was growing up in the Port Elizabeth area. And that gave him such a, a sense of needing to correct any wrongs that are done when children are abused. He, he held that incident responsible for his inability to maintain long-term relationships. In the book, he is, he writes very, very personally. He writes how he was at work one day and the brigadier who he answered to called him in and said there's a lady at church whose son has something to tell a police. And can you please go and take a statement from her son? And at that moment, Mark Minnie was actually very he was He actually was irritated because he was working for the Port Elizabeth police in the narcotics department and why is he going to take statements from the brigadier's friend from church but he goes and he meets the boy who doesn't want to speak to him in his mother's presence he has to send the mother down to the canteen the police canteen he gives him money to buy coffee and then her son is more willing to share his story with with mark with mark minnie and the story involves the abuse of boys, specifically his older brother. Mark Minnie then starts getting more evidence and following up on all possible leads. And the leads lead into a businessman in Port Elizabeth, Dave Allen, who is very friendly with the National Party Minister of the Environment, John Wiley, Mr. Wiley, who lives in Cape Town. And through that connection, it seems that Dave Allen got the concession to mine the bird droppings, which is fertilizer, on this bird island just off the coast of Port Elizabeth. There are 
things happening on Bird Island that these boys are telling Mark Minnie that there are boys taken over in military helicopters or by boat. And there's a group of men who are doing things to them. And one of the men is called Manir Ura, Big Ears. And, and the boys all talk about these things. But he has to, he realizes that this is quite explosive. He eventually arrests Dave Allen. And when he's driving Dave Allen to the police station, Dave Allen starts spilling the beads and he starts mentioning the names of cabinet ministers who are involved in this pedophile ring. But none of this is captured as a police statement. He is then let out of jail and he has to come to court the next day for his, for the, for his court hearing. But Dave Allen never gets to court the next day. He's found dead on the beach in Port Elizabeth in a very suspicious arrangement that is supposed to be a suicide. But there are many unanswered questions about the way that this man, Dave Allen, has committed a suicide that could it actually even be a suicide. And there's basically all those statements, all those names that he mentioned the day before it's just hearsay. It wasn't captured in a statement in the police, in a, as a police statement. And then a few months later, the Minister of Environment is found dead in a room in his house that's locked from the arts, that's locked and they can't find the key. And a man who's super meticulous is supposed to have committed suicide and there wasn't even a suicide note. And he was the type of person Minister, you know, the Minister of Environment, who was Mr. Wiley, his type of person, who would write thank you letters to everybody for the smallest little gesture that they had done to him. So why would he have killed himself without leaving a suicide note? And why was there no key to the door? And, 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 and two very suspicious murders or suicides, two very suspicious suicides, but lots and lots of unanswered questions. And Mark Minnie wants to continue his investigation and Independently of him, Chris Dane, a journalist who's just returned to South Africa from London, wants to also investigate the story of the, the, the Minister of the Environment. And they actually do meet once, 30 years ago, but it wasn't a very smooth meeting. And the cop was very suspicious of the journalist. And... They never, ever managed to compare all their notes and try to track a way forward. The interference from high up in the political establishment in the investigation of this case becomes the type of thing that if you were the investigating officer, you wouldn't sleep well at night. People come from Pretoria to take the docket with them. Uh, Mark Minnie gets reassigned away from Port Elizabeth, to active patrolling duties in Soweto during the state of emergency. And there's an attempt on his life. And at the same time, there's a car rigging uh, with explosives on his car back in Port Elizabeth where his girlfriend was almost blown up. So a lot of very suspicious things happening. The stories, the heart of the story is the allegation that there were members of the cabinet, not just the environment minister, but the minister of defense involved in this pedophile ring on Bird Island. 
And in the book he also mentions that there was a third cabinet minister who he doesn't name. And in the book there's a little footnote where the publishers just want to tell you that this person, this third cabinet minister, is still alive today, but they didn't identify him. The footnote says, based on legal advice, Teufelberg has decided not to identify the third minister. So there are a few clues in the book as to who that person is, but you have to know your cabinet ministers from the mid nineteen, the late nineteen eighties, pretty well to work out who it is. But when a book like this comes out, and then a week after publication, the main author is found dead in suspicious circumstances that mirror the suicide of Dave Allen and the suicide of the cabinet minister Wiley. You start to think. Are there elements of the apartheid government that still retain the ability to pursue vendettas, to try clear themselves from allegations? Uh, there have been a number of there was a, there was a, a person who was in the cabinet in the late 1980s who's still alive today, who put out a public uh, a media statement to say that he is not the third minister mentioned in the book which just begs more questions around why is he saying that? What does he have to hide? Is he trying to remove any suspicion? Obviously trying to remove suspicion from himself. But what is the full story? Mark Minnie was lecturing in China. He was teaching English in universities. He was in South Africa. He slipped in very, very quietly before the book was published. And he was following up on a number of new leads in Port Elizabeth. He was extremely fearful for his own safety, uh, as is Chris Stein, his co-author. But when he didn't respond to emails, WhatsApps, and his phone was off most of Monday, and then he was found dead on Tuesday, it makes the book that much more urgent. And this is the type of book, it's not, it's not just headline setting fiction, non-fiction. The book becomes the story. The, the book is powerful. The book is, most probably going to sell out the first printing because when this type of thing happens, everyone wants to read a copy of the book. And the most probably will go into second and a third imprint. As a book itself, it's, it's a very, very, very well written piece of narrative non-fiction. If it was sold under the banner of crime fiction, you actually would believe it was just a brilliant crime thriller about malfeasance and corruption in the top levels of a country's politics. But it is true. It's a very powerful and a very personal account of the investigation of some of the most disgusting crimes against children. And it's the worst thing about the book is it is all true. We'll be back straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is the pe- this is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. Just discussing the book, The Lost Boys of Bird Island, a shocking expose from within the heart of the NP government. As I said, one of the, the one of the most shocking things about the book is that it is true. I think the most shocking thing for this week 
is that the author was found dead uh, under what can only be called very suspicious circumstances. Uh, a man who returned to South Africa to continue his investigation in this explosive story, who to everyone who had seen him in the last week of his life was a man who had a mission, he had a purpose. The last page of the book is his mission and his purpose to bring some sense of justice to the victims of these crimes. I don't believe in my mind that he would have committed suicide. He would have killed himself. I don't think he would have done that. I firmly believe that there are deeper elements within South Africa. The old government that somehow able to track him and try to defend themselves from the allegations that he's put across in the book. Whether this will result in more people coming forward, the actual victims themselves, to 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 give further corroboration to the allegations in the book, because I don't really think they should be called allegations, but to the claims that are made in the book, that time will only reveal. But this is the it's the, it's the explosive book of uh, of the year for South Africa, and uh, I think to move to a slightly lighter note, just a few just a few books that are just good reads. The first one we're going to talk about today is called The Long Forgotten. It's by David Whitehouse, published by Picador. It came out in April. David Whitehouse's third novel, The Long Forgotten, is every bit as unusual and extraordinary as the rare and elusive flowers that feature so prominently in its plot. Telling the dual stories of an American cleaner turned flower hunt in the 1980s and a lonely ambulance dispatch in President in present-day London, we slowly start to see how their very different lives link together and eventually collide. Dove is restless, jaded and alone, mourning all the things that could have been. He also suffers from migraines that hit him with a wave of memories that aren't his own. He recalls a humble man called Peter Many Weathers, a cleaner in New York during the 80s, who, dis- who discovered a passion for rare flowers that led him around the world and ended in disaster. Dove has never met this man, but he's sure that Peter holds the key to the mystery of his identity. Peering into Peter's memories via Dove, we see him befriend a Danish man called Hens, and the two begin the adventure across the globe in pursuit of unusual flowers. Whilst travelling, Peter falls in love with nature, with the world, and with the woman, before a string of tragedies occur like a domino effect, changing the course of his once safe life. Running parallel to these two stories is the mystery of a plane that went missing 30 years ago and what happened to the passengers of that doomed flight. This is the book The Long Forgotten by David Whitehouse. It's a moving tale of love, loss, obsession, identity, memories, and how our past shapes us, all told with an emotion and an empathy that will have you contemplating the multiple threads of the story and how they all join together. Whitehouse's writing is at once subtle and forceful, And even if you have an inkling of how it's going to end, the conclusion still has the power to surprise you. It is a truly original and an unforgettable novel. And just to sum up, we discussed a whole long list of books from Viz Chitty, from Penguin Random House that I'll be posting on the Facebook page. I plan to get through a lot more books, but I spend most of my part of the show discussing The Lost Boys of Bird Island by the late Mark Minnie and 
the, the journalist Chris Stein. Let me just mention the book, The Long Forgotten by David Whitehouse. The books that I planned to get through, but I didn't, we'll have them on the show next week. And until then, good Shabbos and keep reading.